Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Jerry Gallagher. We recorded this in February in Jerry's home in Seattle. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded. Shout-out to the show's newest Patreon supporter, Julie Kellen. Thanks, Julie. It means a lot, especially right now, when it's pretty scary to be self-employed. To anyone else who wants to support the show, you can find a link in the show notes to patreon.com slash getupinthecool. There's some great exclusive rewards for supporters over there that you might be interested in, like the occasional full video episode, a secret weekly bonus track podcast, access to the MP3 archive of every tune and song ever played on the show, and monthly online banjo workshops with yours truly. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with this week's guest. Here's my interview and jam with Jerry Gallagher. Enjoy. Jerry Gallagher, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Well, it's like nice to be up here in the cool. <laughs> what did we just play? Uh, that was the Rooster Tone Blues. And it's a tune I made up on the 10th anniversary of my, my dear banjo, which I love, uh, which is now over 40 years old. Yeah. But, but that was the, the 10th anniversary tune. So uh, not to date you, but uh, how... <laughs> How old were you when you received this banjo? Uh, oh, I was like 25. There you go. 25-ish. It was my first really good banjo. I, I, um, I'd been playing, I started playing banjo when I was like 15. And 
you know, I had like my first banjo was a harmony, you know, yeah. one of those nice yeah. plastic yes. bodied, <laughs> which I still wish I had. So like when I go kayaking, I could have a plastic banjo to paddle with or something. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got a banjo when I was 15. And well, the first banjo I got, I was traded a friend of my brother's. Uh, I had a really cool hat. And my, this friend of my brother's had a banjo on loan from an aunt or something like that. And I traded this hat for the use of this banjo for the summer. Okay. For a couple of months during the summer. And by the end of that summer, I, I wanted a banjo. You know, I wanted a banjo. And so. Well, now, were you attached? What was on this hat? Why was this hat cool? Uh, I just think it was a cool kind of hippie hat. At the okay. Time, yeah. A cool hippie hat. Yeah, it was kind but of not cool. as cool as. Not as cool as having a banjo to play for, yeah. you know, for why, a couple of months. Why did you want to play a banjo for a couple of months? Um, well, I, I grew up in Seattle and uh, there was always lots, a wide variety of music. I, my three older brothers, my dad, my mom, you know, there was just lots of music around, all kinds of stuff, you know, classical music, um, you know, Burl Ives, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Brothers sure. Four, the Kingston Trio, and sure. I really liked the sound of the banjo in some of those, you know, folky groups of the, as we like to say, the folk scare of the 60s. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, just, you know, I just really liked the sound of the banjo. And as I heard it more, and as I heard more traditional music, I got kind of more gravitated towards towards old time, old yeah. time stuff. Yeah. So I have a, I mean, that's kind of in a in a in a small way a similar reason how I got into banjo because there was that weird folk scare that was just for a moment in like. When, when the banjo had like a pop renaissance mm-hmm. like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and now it's not cool anymore. <laughs> no, it's always cool. I mean, yeah, it, but it's always, it's always, <laughs> yeah. So, so you got this banjo, your first like, yeah, I mean, that was much, banjo. much later. I mean, I had some other banjos. Uh, in fact, I had that fretless, I had that banjo that's oh, really? hanging on the wall that's fretless. I had the, I had that pot with an old funky neck on it that had tu- friction tuner pegs. Great. Um, and I played that, you know, with friction pegs on it for quite a while. It was, and it was something that had just gotten pieced together. Uh, and then I finally made a, uh, finally, I had another banjo to play and I finally made a neck, a fretless neck for that. For, or I, I started it and Jerry Canote finished it. Oh, very uh, good. Much later. Yeah. I traded him a really, I sewed a, him a, a cool, even cooler hat. No, I sewed him, I traded him, I'm, I'm a sewer, so he, I made him a really nice Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And I'm not sure if the Hawaiian shirt fits him still, but the banjo, the, the, the finish on the banjo yeah. is really nice. So he did a great job on that. So, right. yeah. Well, he, he does good work. He does good work. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to Jerry. Shout out. Yeah. So, if you wanted a fretless banjo, like you said, you, you must have been exposed somehow from you know uh, folk revival music to traditional. Yeah. Well, there's a big music. yeah. There's a big gap between me starting to play the banjo and like me getting this banjo, for example. Right. So, so I, um, you know, I was like when I was in high school, I was really into you know still folk music. I wasn't you know a big rock and roll fan so much but um 
I really like Bob Dylan. When I started going to the University of Washington, um, there were a lot of buskers on campus playing various stuff. Um, one of the groups was the Gip Gypsy Gippo String Band. Okay. And at the time, uh, it was Sandy Bradley and Jack Link and Jerry Mitchell and Warren Argo and Hank Bradley was playing with him some. Uh, and uh, Nancy Shank was playing bass and it was like a big like six-piece band at the time, tw you know, two fiddles and great band. Um, and they were very influential for quite a long time in my mm -hmm. You know, early music music days, um, and by the end of like my first couple of years at at school there, I transferred down to Evergreen State College in Olympia, which was quite new. And I, my girlfriend was going to school there, and they had a um, a music program called American Music, where you could do music like all year long. Yeah. I mean, that, that was all day long, all year long, and it was. There was components of you know composition and theory and performance and there was one part of the performance stuff was there was one of the teachers was a i think he was a journalism professor his name was tom foot but he was a good bluegrass banjo player and uh, he so i met a whole bunch of people there playing you know who were also kind of attracted to the folk music end of that program and uh a lot of those people are playing Karen England. I don't know if you know her. She's a great, great local, so. great Cajun fiddler. Dale Russ, who's one of the great Irish fiddlers. Both those folks are, are living in town. Tom Moran is a great mandolin player. I mean, there's all these, uh, Scott Nygaard, who's a fantastic guitar player. Scott and I played together for, for years. Um, anyway, so we, I just kind of dove, deep dive into old time music. One of the things that Tom Foote did is he bought, uh, he bought for the library the entire county records co collection. Wow. And, you know, like put them on cassette tapes so we could just like listen to that stuff, you know, all the Tommy Gerald stuff and Fred Cockrum and uh, Ernest East and, you know, just all that stuff. Skillet Liquors, Charlie Poole, you know, so all those old, you know, county reissue records were, were in the library and just. So that was your Slippery Hill before Slippery Hill yeah. was Slippery Hill. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the amount of resources that there are now is just astounding compared. Like, a lot, of, like a lot of people my age just say, you know, like, yeah, we all had the same, you know, we all had the same 10 albums, you know. Right. So, you know, and some of it was French Canadian stuff and some of it was old time stuff. And, you know, some of it was the Fuzzy Mountain String Band. Yes. And, you know, some of it was this old, you know, older you know, 70, you know, reissues of 78s and stuff, but, um, but it wasn't the immense, especially the immense amount of field recordings that are available yeah. now of, you know, people like John Salyer, um, you know, any of those guys. My impression of the, the Pacific Northwest old time scene, mm -hmm. especially in like the Seattle, general Seattle area, is that people aren't necessarily precious about genre boundaries. Mm. Um, maybe they respect the separate genres, but it's it's hard to find people who just play one thing here. Often people mm. are playing a lot of Canadian music as well as old time music and um, just flirting or mm. having deep relationships with uh, all these different genres. 
And I'm wondering, um, as a fellow Clawhammer banjo player mm -hmm. uh, who likes to participate as much as possible, like, have you, how have you developed your style in order to account for all of these eclectic interests around you? It's uh, a good question. Um, so when I was in this program and, you know, just early years, and I think, you know, being on the West Coast and having, you know, not being close to, you know, Southern traditions, but, and just the recordings that are, yeah. that were around. So, you know, there were times when we'd be playing and, you know, someone would learn Woodchopper's Reel, which is, you know, like the kind of standard Canadian tune, yeah. or um, people were listening to the uh, Rando family and, you know, hey, this works pretty well on the banjo. Um, there's a lot of things that I've not tried to play very much in Clawhammer banjo. I love Irish music, but I find it doesn't work all that well. It's pretty hard on, <laughs> to on, make I mean, it sound I've, good. <laughs> I've heard a couple people play jigs Clawhammer style, and I just go like, whoa, that's, uh -huh. that's impressive. <laughs> I, I cannot do that. Yeah. Um, and then At I, what cost? <laughs> yeah, I, and there's a lot of stuff that I do that that are, you know, it's like, you know, like, Maybe you shouldn't try that, but I, I try it anyway. Yeah. But I actually, I play in a Quebecois band. Oh, very um, good. Yeah. So What's I play, the name of the band? Um, Group Du Jour. It's Group with du Jour. Great. Bill, Bill Meyer Great. and um, David Kahn and Clyde Curley. Yeah. And so it's, you know, accordion, fiddle. Bill mostly plays piano, sometimes mandolin. And I play Callheimer banjo. And, and it's really fun. And it's... Um, you know, some of them are, are a bit of a stretch, you know, but, sure. but uh, it, it's kind of a, you know, I think it's a good sound. And um, and I've seen some, I've seen some, you know, Quebecois bands that, you know, people might use Clawhammer banjo and maybe mm. other times Interesting. tenor banjo or something. But I've been trying to learn how to play these Quebecois tunes yeah. on the banjo. And well, I would play them, out of, hard. <laughs> play them out of a, play them out of a detuning. Okay. So, you know, David plays a, a, a D box, you know. Uh, sure. You know, um, and so a lot of the tunes are D and ones that fit in G and A and you know, so forth. So that that's kind of the universal tuning for me. I don't, I don't do much different kinds of tunings in sure. that. I mostly just play out of one tuning. And there's key changes and stuff like that. So it's, so it's, you, it's a fun. So you do your key changes all in D tuning then? Pretty much, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and when you say detuning, do you mean like the double, double D? Yeah, double D. Very cool. Because that is very close to a fiddle tuning. Sure, that I mean, makes sense. Yeah. It's it's a fiddle tuning with an extra sec. You know, the second string is yeah. You know, that makes and a you lot don't of have, sense. You don't have the low. You don't have the low G, but whoever plays that, you know. Sure. So, <laughs> so that it works. It works mostly. Interesting. You know. Okay, cool. And there's stuff that's hard, you know. You fit, you know. I mean, banjo playing's always a lot of smoke and mirrors and yes, and you know, faking stuff. We're, anyway, we're illusionists, yeah, aren't exactly. we? <laughs> I like to learn tunes. I mean, I play the fiddle too. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I really consider myself a banjo player, but I've been playing the fiddle quite a bit in the last ten years, and um, so I like to learn. I like to learn you know, the actual notes of the tune, yeah. even though it might not be able to conveniently play them at speed. So 
I find like you, you learn the tune, like a lot of times I'll learn the tune and find the notes and ah, that doesn't work just because it's so awkward. Yeah. And then when you play it up to speed, then, you know, things, notes just kind of fly off that aren't sure. going to work, you know? <laughs> so I, I often have found in my journey with learning how to adapt fiddle melodies that it's, it's kind of easier to subtract yeah. than to like Absolutely. add. Yeah. So that Oli experience was very formative for me. At Evergreen. Yeah. yeah. And then I lived there a couple more years. I played, so I played with Karen England and Scott Nygaard in this, and this, our, you know, my first string band, the Southwester string band. And mm. there was one other guy who, who I have kind of lost track of. Um, and then, uh, and then Scott and I kind of played as a duet for a while still living in Olympia and then this was like right around the time of the very first Fiddle Tunes Festival. Okay. We went up there. We we both went up to the first Fiddle Tunes Festival and Scott won the fiddle contest and I won the banjo contest. And um and right after that, Jack Link, who had been kind of one of our heroes in the Gypsy Gypsy string band, asked us, you know, if we wanted to um, form a band. So we formed that was the original Hurricane Ridge Runners that was with me and Jack and Scott. And then Scott fair, fairly soon after that decided to not be in that band anymore. And then Jack and I played for a while as a mm -hmm. duet. And and then that band kind of uh, went on and, you know, I, I started playing with Mark Graham a lot and that we, we became, you know, then kind of split up with Jack and Mark and I formed a duet and then Paul Katapas joined us and then yeah. And then Armin Barnett joined us and, you know, did some recording and touring and stuff. So, Well, I totally forgot that we're supposed to play tunes in oh, this yeah. show. We Can we play to. another tune? Yeah, let's do <laughs> Then I'll ask you more questions. Sure. Should we do this, uh, this cider next? Well, that would be good, yeah. So we might have to do some retuning. Yes. I have to do some retuning. You're probably okay, right? Yeah, so we'll some new strings. I really like, I mean, one of the things I like about the banjo is like different tunings have such different flavors and yeah. sometimes just getting into a an oddball tuning, it's interesting to see what things come out, you know, yes. just, I think that's good. Okay. So cider mill? Yeah.
excited. <laughs> what do you mostly play these days? Like what instrument? Or, well, sure. Because you play, I guess you play a fair amount of fiddle. But I meant what what uh, genre do you end up playing? Do oh, you, I play mostly old times. Mostly old times. Yeah. yeah. Old time stuff. Um, Is the Hurricane Ridge Runner still a band? No. Well, we've had some little reunion uh, get-togethers. We played at the Berkeley Old Time Festival a couple years oh, ago. Good. And we did... Um, couple other gigs down there and then we did Paul so Mark and Armin and I all live local and Paul Katapish is in the Bay Area so um, so he came up and we did a little little tour up to Bellingham and Portland and did a house concert here and dance and always a total blast to get together with those guys and it's you know Mark and I sometimes, you know, um, will occasionally, we did a couple of things last summer, um, you know, just kind of a couple bar gigs here in Bellingham. Uh, so I play with Mark, you know, and, and see him. Did you all record? Yeah. Um, there's, we did one album in 1981, or around there, and... Uh, and then we did like we did a big like three month tour. We went back east, played on Prairie Home Companion. Oh, cool! Um, went you know, and then another trip down to California. Opened for Doc Watson at McCabe's. That was wow. very exciting. Um, and you know, played festivals and various things. Um, played you know fiddle tunes a bunch. Um, and then we were starting to make another recording and that was about the time I was starting to have kids mm-hmm. or I, I don't know it was actually before before my I started having kids but I was married and thinking maybe old-time music is not going to support a family and so forth. I mean it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun but relatable it's you know not necessarily the the economic thing to do so yeah so i kind of decided that you know as a band we i i just couldn't do it anymore yeah so what did uh, what did you trade up to well i i went back to school and i got a math degree and and i and i just retired after teaching uh math for high school mostly high school math for congratulations 29 years so i i've been retired for about a year and a half and it's great great (laughs) Uh, i'm enjoying it a lot um i can hang out with my other retired music music friends and and play music in the middle of the day in the middle of the week yeah it's grand (laughs) um but so the a couple years ago or a few years ago now um you know field recorders collective Mm -hmm. yeah so ray alden contact me before he passed away um contacted us about doing uh reissuing you know old ridge runner stuff so that that's um some of the stuff that we had started recording for a second album got put on that field recorders collective so it was a lot of stuff from that first album and then stuff from that we had recorded and a few other things that that uh, we'd done with with so there's an frc yeah, there's a hurt. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I'll make sure yeah. to look at that. And I actually show. still have some vinyl in my basement, and you you could own one. 
I would love to. <laughs> if, you, if you like fine, yeah, I, I, I might be able to find one that's not warped. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that, you know, we can check that. Yeah. Uh, shout, shout out to Kilby uh, and the Field Recorders Collective. Yeah, that's a, that's they're doing great stuff. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit them up and say, hey, can you... Get, you know, give me a download link to this album and I'll shout out the show. So, yeah, uh, because uh, it's such a great resource. Yeah. All the, all the awesome stuff they've collected. Yeah. And produced. Well, like I was saying before, too, there, there's so much stuff that I one of the things I've been doing, you know, over the years and and recently, you know, more recently now that I'm retired is like I go into the. I used to go into the Berea College yes. um, digital appellation, digital appellation, whatever it's called. And, you know, and you'd find all these things. And I, then recently I've been going in, there's just like a mother load of stuff, more than what there used to be in there, which was a lot. And then there's these other sources, you know, like I'll just dive into these um, archives that, that are now online. It's, just, it's amazing. Besides things like Slippery Hill and you know some of those other sources, anyway, it's great. Well, should, should we uh, play this hatchet? Yeah. So I play this out of um, like out of this D tuning, except with a fifth string at, as, as an F sharp. Oh, great. Okay. So this is uh, half shaved. This is um, from the playing of Wade Ward. At least it started out that way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it's. Yeah. So.
the three note tune. <laughs> yeah, the good it. notes. <laughs> that is banjo. Yeah. Oh, I kept forgetting to ask. To ask, where? What is the story with this banjo? Where did you get it from? So I, I had a couple of friends in Seattle who knew this guy. Uh, his friend had a banjo made by this guy named Paul King. And um, I liked the banjo, and I was looking for a banjo, and and I just rode away. I, and he, he, I never met him. Uh, he li- was living in Cotopaxi, Colorado. So I wrote Paul King. Cot- that was the address. Paul King, Cotopaxi, Colorado. And I got this handwritten note back that you know said, "Well, if you want this kind of banjo with this kind of wood, you know the basic banjo is this, and if you want this kind of wood, it's add that much. Yeah. If you want this kind of tone ring, do that." And blah blah. If you want so, a big rooster on, if it, you want, it's this well, so I, no, that was my idea. I because my nickname at at Evergreen with these friends was the Roo. Okay. Because anyway, that's as in long. soup. No, R O O, as in rooster. As in rooster. Okay. Yeah. And so. Uh, I can't. I think what I did is I traced, I traced this um, rooster out of a. I was looking for a good rooster image, and I traced this rooster out of a old nineteen oh four Mother Goose book that I had. I traced because you know this was like nineteen seventy seven, so we didn't have the internet or even yeah, photo, yeah. you know, like you know photocopy machine. So I like traced it out, and I get, must have sent that on and. He did the inlaying. So anyway, I got back to, you know, and then one day this, you know, this banjo showed up and, and I've really, you know, it's, so it's a white lady tone ring. And, um, I think he made all, I think he did a lot of the metal parts and stuff. Wow. Anyway, I've always really, really, really liked this banjo. So I, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, are always looking for the next instrument. Yes. I've been more of a. You know, monogamous relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, I and I, you know, I know people, you know, like I've got, you know, who have like 12 banjos. I've got this banjo and that fretless banjo. And I've got a couple, I got a banjo uke there, which I never play. And then I've got a couple of tenor banjos that I never play. Yeah. Um, Always keep coming back to this one. So, yeah. So I'm hesitant to ask. Is there any, but is there any way that you can explain how you got the name, uh, the nickname oh, Rue well, as in rooster? Yeah. <laughs> is this um, appropriate to share? Yeah, it's appropriate. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, the, so when I was at Evergreen, uh, one of the guys I played music with was the caretaker of the organic farm at Evergreen. I don't know if they still have an organic farm at Evergreen, but they did at the time. And there was a rooster there named Jerry. Oh, very good. So there was a gym. and I and and my and I lived in this apartment there, and I had three female roommates, none of whom I was involved with. But you know, I think it was that was part of the rooster, uh, yeah, nickname. You know, and everybody, everybody, everybody had nicknames. You're you know? the token rooster yeah, in the henhouse. Yeah, exactly. Very good. So, well, good. Thanks for explaining. So, that. Yeah, that was, that's the mystery there. Uh, not many people might might not know that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's important. Now it's immortalized. Yeah, let's play some more Wade Ward tunes. Yeah. So uh, with, yeah. with two banjos, as he would intend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think I, you want to play that um, that that Mississippi Sawyer. That would be great. Yeah, because I, I also play that with this 
fifth string and it's about maybe the only two tunes i play that way but um i loved his i love his playing you know just so clean and beautiful yeah great tone big master tone master tone let me tune to you no, I think that that fifth string tuned there for that for that half shave is is an essential part of the tune for half shave. Yeah. This one maybe not. So okay, great. Okay, so Mississippi Sawyer from at least Wade Ward influenced, we'll say. Yeah. up one of those parts there <laughs> played it too long or too short or something well old time it all comes out <laughs> well we only have one tune left but before we do that where do people go to buy your albums or hire you for a gig or things like oh, that oh well uh, i'm not uh highly recorded I did a nice album with um, Forrest Carroll, where I play a lot of banjo on, on this album. That, and he is the uh, probably person to contact to get get a hold of that. Okay, I'll um, do that. Forrest yeah. Carroll. Yeah. yeah, and that's a there's some, some of my banjo playing on there, and uh, and then the FRC, the FRC, yeah, and the Hurricane Ridge Runner. That's that's a good album. I mean, it's we were kind of a, you know, we were an old time band where with lots of kind of bluegrass, more bluegrass style singing. Cool. Um, and, you know, 
uh, Katapish, I don't know if you know Paul Katapish. I don't. But he is a fa- fabulous musician, great mandolin player, and a really great guitar player. And just made things. I realized, listen, especially when we were kind of doing that, um, kind of looking back at that stuff to do for the Field Recorders Collective thing, uh, and listening to this old Ridge Runner stuff, and thinking, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty good players and stuff. But man, the, the hooks that Paul would put in the, you know, first stuff was just like, oh, that really made it. <laughs> you know, that really, that really kind of just captured a great sound. But you know, so we did a lot of a lot of singing. That was fun. Great. Well, I'll I'll make sure to link all of that in the uh, in the show notes so people yeah. can go go get their hands on it. Yeah. Should we play this new river train? Yes. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jerry. Well, thank you for yeah. having me. It's been a fun okay. chatting and playing. Well, this is another Wade Ward tune. I, mean, it's, I I do play other stuff besides Wade Ward tunes, but that's <laughs> what you're feeling today. You can't go wrong, though, with Wade Ward. Yeah.
Go get Piney Woods, Jerry's album with Forrest Carroll, and the Hurricane Ridge Runners Field Recorders Collective album. I included links to both in the show notes. You can support Get Up In The Cool at patreon.com slash getupinthecool, and you can buy Get Up In The Cool merch by following the link in this episode's show notes. Check out Get Up In The Cool's Teespring store to order a t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case. Make sure to like and follow Get Up In The Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. Check out pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside The Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up In The Cool. And everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.